the Apple Fries Movie News and Review Podcast. Hello, welcome. I'm Gavin. I'm Mac. Ah, and uh, as per usual, boom. Uh, we're going to be hitting you up with some uh, movie news, things that have been going around in the uh, movie world, and then we got some reviews for you. I'll be reviewing The Kids Are Alright and Going the Distance. And I'll be reviewing. Reviewing. Banksy. Reviewing. I refuse to see this movie. I'll be refusing. <laughs> uh, Banksy's. What shall you be refusing? Banksy's movie, Exit Through the Gift Shop, and uh, indie UK drama, uh, Skeletons. Skeletons. So, have you been since the last podcast, all of two days, three days ago? Yeah, uh, I've been alright. Yeah. Right. I've been just like back to rehearsals and doing this play. Uh, you know, waking up every day wondering if I still have a career. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Do you, having weird do you still have a career? I don't know. I don't know. I've been having weird dreams. Yeah. There were some really. Actually, there was one dream I wanted to tell you about this. This wasn't like since the last podcast, but uh, this happened like some time ago. Uh-huh. I dreamt that it was a really weird, fucked up dream. I dreamt that um, I was. I uh, went to this comic book store and I knew the guys working there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed that one of them had a Captain Britain action figure. <laughs> That was still in its box, right? <laughs> by his desk or a shelf or some shit. And I was like, man, I really want that, that action figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was just like walking around the shop and everything. And it was kind of reminiscent of when I used to shoplift in comic book shops as a kid. You used to shoplift in comic book shops as a kid? Well, only once. <laughs> I got caught, so I didn't do it again. What did you shoplift? <laughs> I shoplift the first issue of Grey. <laughs> Grey, the manga. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> old school. I was an old school thief. <laughs> I got, I got caught. <laughs> oh God! Where was that? No, no, you know you shouldn't say. <laughs> that was in the mine shop in Dumbin. Oh, no, 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 I, I still. Uh, the, the statute of limitations is up on that bitch. No, the guy who caught me, Alex, he runs the place. Uh, he's no, because I keep going back there. I still go there. I still go there now. Damn every, kids. And every once in a while, he's there. And even now, there's still this look like I remember you. Keep you your little, hands in your pockets, bitch. I remember you, you little shit. <laughs> Gray. <laughs> I tried to get pineapple, pineapple army in there as well, but because I was reading a lot of manga during those days, I wanted to steal like one of the Akira comics. What age were you? I don't know. I was about eleven, or like eleven or twelve. I was a little shit. <laughs> but anyway, he had this Captain Britain figure that I really liked, and. Um, I waited till they were all busy. And the thing is, I'm not a kid. This is me as an adult. Mm. Uh, I waited till they were all busy and they were all talking. And, and you shoplift again. And I, and, I, and I just took it. <laughs> and through the corner of my eye, I thought I saw them see me. Mm-hmm. But I never really knew that for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I just started running with it. And as soon as I was running down the street ho- holding this Captain Britain figure, I was just over, overcome with guilt. Yeah. And at that point, I woke up. But, Guilty. But no. You know, like, and I woke up. Looking like, for the Captain Britain toy. Like, like did, I, did I? Oh, thank God it was a dream. But it turns out there was a dream within a dream because I was still dreaming. Oh, no. <laughs> what level are you on? I, I was still dreaming. So I, in my dream, I woke up and thought it was a dream. And, and I thought, oh, thank God I didn't steal that action figure. And then your legs <laughs> crawled off the end of the bed and went into the cupboard. And the next thing I know, the next thing I know, I'm, I'm back on the street again. It's like, it's like, as soon as I like turn over in my bed, it's like I turn a corner. <laughs> and it's like, it's like lost. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Boom. But, uh, so yeah, I had that dream. That's fucked up. It's fucked up. When yeah. I actually woke up for real, I was, yeah, I'd gone through the, the, the ring around so, so many times. I Did was you actually, spin your totem? I was actually strangely disappointed that I didn't have the Captain Britain action figure. <laughs> I was like, after all that shit, I've just been stressed out throughout the night. I've slept the whole night, but I don't feel like I've gotten any rest and there's no action figure. It's funny you should bring that up, considering this is a completely improvised section. Um, <laughs> since last Thursday, I was watching a lot of The Wire and also I kind of got sick. Mm-hmm. Kind of a weird, flowy, head cold bug thing. 
Mm-hmm. So I watch a lot of The Wire anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm finished season two, but I think yesterday morning I well, woke up. Well, The Wire is DVD crack. Yes. That's that's. I haven't seen it myself. Yeah. I want to. I, I know that once once I do, it'll have the exact same effect on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But everything that, that's everything I've heard about is that it's crack. Yeah. It's DVD crack. Yeah, totally. So I woke up yesterday morning and I was in the middle of a dream where I was in The Wire, but I was pissing off the cops and the robbers, or and the drug dealers. Everyone was just, it, uh, it I was find Alba. That, I find that very easy yeah. to, <laughs> I find that very easy to picture. I think I was fucking up McNult- McNulty's uh, sting, and uh, the stringer was just like, who's this fucking white guy? Fucking Mick. Yeah. <laughs> Going to our town. <laughs> so what happened? So you, I, I fucked up the package. You were just pissing them off. I, that, pissed, that I, think I, fucked, I think I fucked up the package. I wasn't selling it right. It was just odd. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, pretty much that. Aside from that, just catching up on a little bit of movies. Yeah. Trying to write, but just not being able to. Yeah. Well, the sickest thing, I just sat down and watched the internet. Mm. I read most of it yesterday. <laughs> I do enjoy reading the internet. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's quite funny, you know. It's like, uh, I don't really have much patience for reading movies any, anymore. No? Yeah. Like the scripts or? No, no, no. Like uh, for like foreign films. No. Oh. Uh, except for some strange reason, um, Hong Kong, Hong Kong movies and, Ch- and Chinese movies. Well, yeah, that's because you have no choice. Right? I, mean, what? I don't know, but no, for some strange reason, I, I think it's because uh, I have interest in watching some of those films. Uh, where so- some of the foreign stuff that comes out now is just—it just looks like suffering on on celluloid. It just looks like suffering. This is why you have more family. No, no, like well, from what I understand, Emily's not so much about that. It's all joy. It's all joy and happy. Maybe that's why I haven't watched it. You know, and also happy things depressing. And I I can't. I cannot just look at that cover. Every time I look at it, I want to punch her in the face. I just want to punch her in the face. I just want to. I want to rearrange it. (laughs) I don't get it. Maybe I should see it before I start expounding such strong opinions on it. Or see a doctor, maybe. I have. Oh, it's expensive. It's it's expensive to do that shit every week. (laughs) This is what you do instead. I've done. I've done the shrink. It's like, no, not me. I didn't do her. I wanted to. She was hot. <laughs> she was totally hot. Totally hot, married with kids, which made, which made her even hotter. I'm beginning to regret saying that. We should, we should talk a bit about ourselves at the beginning of the podcast. I felt like a James Blunt song. <laughs> I want to fuck you. Watch out my shrink. He's, I can't do that because you pay by the hour. Maybe he's a descendant of Sheila Mudgett because I've noticed that he does, all of his S's are he pronounces them as this as if there's an H after. Oh. Yeah, for sure, 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 you. He's gay. <laughs> although careful, new, you'll get into Vince Vaughn trouble. Although his new album is decidedly incredibly upbeat. Really? Yeah, it's a it's very. Not, it's, it's, not, it's not themed it's, from a suicide. No, no, it's not. Mm. I, I like didn't want to grab for the razor blades once. <laughs> <laughs> news. On to news. On to news. It seems almost a shame now. Yeah. <laughs> After we should, we can do a, we can do another show where we just talk about your shit. Yeah. <laughs> pretty uh, much. Be, before before we go into the news, I just wanted to let you know that if you have any comments, mm. questions, or criticisms regarding anything that we do, you can email us at podcast at com. And for any of the pictures or trailers we talk about on this week's podcast, they will be uh, a little uh, underneath the, li- the podcast link on the uh, website. There will be a little section of show notes. So you can have a look too. You okay. can read along with Gavin and Ian. There you go. Because that's what life is all about. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on our coattails, motherfuckers. So pretty much, pretty much as soon as we uploaded the podcast from Thursday, um, talking about the X Men picks, uh, Matthew Vaughn came online saying that you know he wasn't entirely happy about some of those picks going online. Mm-hmm. So um, 
He talked to a lot of outlets and he gave those some picks, more photos. Those pics were kind of photoshopped up the ass. Well, the first one was. January Jones tits. They, you know, it, it, it's too much. Spangy brows. You took too much, man. Too much. Too but much. He, he did release two more photos. The first of which is Magneto in his helmet, obviously manipulating metal. I think that looks kind of cool. I have issues with this picture. <laughs> What's wrong with it? <laughs> okay. Just bear in mind. You're, you're complaining <laughs> about the size of his helmet? No. Well, the, the hel- first of all, the helmet does look incredibly too big for mm-hmm. his face. It's not purple, though. And, uh, I mean, I know it takes place in the 60s and everything. And you know, like in the context of the whole thing, I'm sure it'll be different. But for just this one still on its own, he looks like he's a really pissed off Chinese guy. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you wait, wait, you fuck that? Hey, hey, fuck you! <laughs> you don't pay. You don't pay. It looks like a Chinese guy coming out of a club. He's dressed as he's, it's a Halloween party. He's dressed as Magneto, and, so, and he notices that some guy's honking him for him to move. And he comes out. And he's like, it looks like he's in Penang. <laughs> the background of this shot. Is it's like it looks like a little beachy. Yeah, it, it is because like, the, the, the X Jack crashes on the on, on right. beach somewhere, and they're okay. showing that from behind the scenes. So this photos. guy right now, Michael Fassbender looks like a fucking yob tourist in Penang, <laughs> just fucking around. The one of um, and the picture of James McAvoy Wallace looks like that he agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting a headache. He's got his hands to his temple. He's going, like, what are you wearing? What are you doing? What's wrong with the helmet? He has got the um, Xavier eyebrows, though. Well, he I does. Not before. He, he does look. Or cool. is he pushing his face up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still liking what I'm seeing in this movie. I'm still I'm looking forward to more. I'm not disliking it. I mean, I, th- I think it's keeping to the period, and uh, you know, seeing it out of context, I think the James McAvoy Professor X pick looks cool. Uh, but the Magneto thing just looks like we a, should be a expecting fucking, a trailer maybe in March or April or uh, for Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not listed on the Super Bowl list. Super Bowl list uh, this leads into our next uh, section. So February 6th, we'll get a lot of 30-second spots. Because Super Bowl, hopefully the studios start doing what they did the last couple of years, which is have your Super Bowl spot and then have a slightly longer version online. Yeah, yeah. But we'll be getting trailers for Super 8, which means fucking nothing, because the last trailer was like not Basically movie. nothing. It was basically uh, like Spielberg giving you the middle finger, saying that you'll you'll still see this movie. I don't have to show you shit. Yeah. Uh, Transformers, Dark Side of the Moon. I want to see more. So- Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. Side of the moon. You keep say- you've been saying Dark Side of the Moon for ages. It's like- <laughs> They're on the dark side of the moon. Uh, Thor. Copyright does not allow them to be on the dark side of the moon. Thor. Hope you see some more shit. Yeah. Captain America, the first Avenger. Cowboys and aliens. I don't know how they can beat the last trailer. I'm quite happy with the last trailer they showed us, which was just cool. It'll probably be just. It'll probably be the same trailer, but with added shit, you know, like uh, thrown in in the middle. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a whole bunch of subplots. I'm sure like, yeah. there was nothing of Paul Dano in the last trailer, and I'm sure there'll be some of that in this. Yeah. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. I'm I have z- I have zero excitement for this movie. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm more interested in the other Gore Verbinski, or the Gore Verbinski uh, movie, another trailer for Rango. Rango. See how that balances out with our comments from last week about how mm-hmm. it looked a bit cheesy and mm-hmm. um, formulaic. And uh, finally, a trailer for Limitless. Have you seen anything in this? Uh, yeah, I have seen a trailer for Limitless. Yeah, there's, there's it, one online. This you, is um, it looks quite fun. It's Face Man, right? It's uh, it's uh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. And uh, the trailer is all about. Uh, they, they released a trailer already, which was very under the radar. It's he, on YouTube. He takes a. Uh, he basically it's like that. We use only like a small percentage of our brain power, and he takes a drug that allows him to use one hundred percent of his brain power. Yeah, but like, but the side effects include death, bleeding from the ears, all this kind of weird shit. So it's not just the brain power. Well, it's, to, it's everything to else. To be expected. Yeah. To be. It's basically. It's not just that though. It's also like sexual stamina. Yeah, everything yeah, goes everything. up. What, what, I, what I like about it is that it looks like a very glossy Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's something about that that kind of just tickles my fancy just a little bit. And I like Bradley Cooper. I'll come out, I'll yeah. say it. I got a man crush on Bradley <laughs> Cooper. That guy gets a get out of jail free card for a lifetime pass for me because of Midnight Meat Train. Yeah. 
And it only went up with the 18. Yes. Midnight Meat Train and The Hangover. Yeah. And also he paid his dues in the J.J. Abrams zone. Yes. In Alias. <laughs> <laughs> that guy went through some hardcore interrogation in Alias. So he deserves a little bit of A-list power. Although what the fuck he's doing with Renee Zellweger is beyond beyond yeah. me. I don't know. It's like, that's just weird. It's like, just a, weird. like the yellow pack version that's of That's just band. weird. There are hotter chicks than her in the same movies that she is in. That he's in. <laughs> oh, she's in. <laughs> she's in. I mean, if you're the lead, if you're the leading lady, you got to try to at least be the hottest chick in there. True. You know, you know. Hot, hot chick. In the room, motherfucker. Yeah, what do you, what do you think? We're, what do you think? We're, we're listening to your dialogue. We don't give a fuck. We're, we're all dogs in this room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the like, people who are like a puppy. <laughs> you are. <laughs> With uh, the people who are too cheap to uh, pay for actual Super Bowl ad, but but be in the pre-show. Battle Los Angeles Priest, the Eagle, which I presume is the Eagle of the Ninth. Uh, yes, that's the one with Channing Tatum. Yeah, I read that book as a kid. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, Take Me Home Tonight, Just Go, and Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. Jesus. Justin Bieber will return <laughs> in Octocock. <laughs> Getting reamed. <laughs> <laughs> By Lance Reddick. <laughs> He's a ripper! <laughs> Fringe Division is not about you. <laughs> He's a creepy motherfucker. He's awesome. Can you imagine having him as a dad? Ooh. It's like, God, I'll be home before curfew every <laughs> day. <laughs> every night. Uh, for those of you who don't know who no, Lance Reddick is, uh, he's a regular on Fringe. He's in The Wire. The Wire. He's uh, in Jonah Hex. Lost. <laughs> he's in Jonah Hex as the gadget guy who turns up for a minute. <laughs> going, what the hell am I doing in this movie? He's a great uh, way of talking. He's a great way of. He's acting. the scariest black man to come along in a long, long time. He's pretty scary. He's pretty fucking free. He looks like an alien. <laughs> he looks like the brother from another planet. He looks like he should have been in every. He should. He looks like he should have played every character in Green Lantern aside from Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Even the Kilowog. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is something that kind of uh, that that uh, excites me because. As you are well aware, Ian, I am a huge fan of 80s action movies. Yes. Uh, you actually like uh, Last Action Hero. Yes, I love Last Action Hero. And I was very, very disappointed. I've told you this story, but uh, just for our fellow listeners out there. Um, I have this very embarrassing history of Last Action Hero. I was such a big Arnold fan in my youth that uh, when Last Action Hero came out uh, and Jurassic Park came out before him, it was a, com- was a complete smash, went on to become the highest grossing film of that year. Uh-huh. Uh, and I saw Last Action Hero after that, I was very upset that Last Action Hero did not match Jurassic Park. So I tried to up the uh, grosses, overall gro- international grosses of the film by buying as many Last Action Hero toys as I could <laughs> and uh, going to see Last Action Hero. Do you still have them? Huh? No. Toys? I, I still have one Jack Slater. <laughs> A karate chop action Jack Slater. <laughs> but anyway, this connects to like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, who has um, recently finished his... Um, uh, his uh, final term as a governor governor of California. That in itself is just hilarious, hilarious. But that's that's a long conversation. He's the president in 2025. Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> the actor. Uh, but um, he was uh, talking to an Austrian website, and apparently um, he is currently reading three scripts mm-hmm. uh, for his potential comeback. But he only gave details on one of them, and this is a project that's been in development for about 15 years now. And he was first earmarked for it back in the day when he was still. Uh, you know, bef- you know pre- pre-governor. Yeah, pre-politics and all that stuff. And this was uh, with wings as eagles, uh, in which um, he uh, plays this. Not with eagles for. Wings. No, no, with wings as eagles, mm. uh, where he would play um, a, na- a Nazi. 
uh, a high-ranking Nazi officer who at the end of the war is given an order to execute a bunch of kids yeah. and he decides, fuck you, I ain't doing that. Uh, and then to try, and then it becomes like a fugitive uh, story. He's got to save all these wives. He's got to be, the kids, yes, right? yes, yes. Get to the train! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, I'm it, not going to kill you, I promise. Yeah, basically. basically. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, and it's it's just this big adventure story, you know, like uh, of of him taking them uh, to their escape, uh, and it's probably a blessing in disguise because now that uh, Schwarzenegger is sixty three, he's at a much better age to play the character anyway. Mm. Uh, but one thing that I thought was quite uh, funny Still looks uh, good in the suit. is that uh, because he's sixty three, uh, that he now plans on focusing more on drama than action movies, <laughs> comparing his current career position to that of Clint Eastwood's. <laughs> You fuck up. That's oh, that's an insult to kill this one. I don't know. I mean, there is a yes. He was mayor. There is a small part of me that uh, would uh, like to see a remake of Gran Torino with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn! <laughs> what are you doing, zip ahead? <laughs> Thought all you slopes are good at math. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, good cook food. <laughs> But uh, I kind of hope that this does uh, this does happen. It, it was a script written by Randall Wallace, who uh, wrote Braveheart. No way. Uh, Randall Wallace. Randall Wallace. Of Clan Wallace. Yes. <laughs> Randall Wallace. <laughs> this, uh, William Braveheart about William Wallace was actually written by a guy named Randall, Randall Wallace. Wallace. Fuck. And it's all about, it's actually really about his. When Braveheart first, get the, get the yeah, script through. Yeah. When Braveheart first came out, and I was a kid, and I went to see it, when that name popped up, I thought it was a descendant. I was, oh my god! Did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> One of him! One of him did this! <laughs> one of him did this? One of him! <laughs> Your grammar wasn't great when you were a kid, was it? <laughs> no. As opposed to now, <laughs> where it's all kinds of splendid. Mm. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, yes, what what? Um, speaking of uh, Clint Eastwood... Um, is this the shit he's doing with Beyonce? Yes. What the fuck is going on? Haven't we already seen this movie? Um, Clint Eastwood is now going to direct a remake Clint, of A I don't Star think Is Born. Now he's going to be... He's doing the J. Edgar Hoover pick next. Yeah, yeah. And so he'll be 81 when he's directing this crap. But it's like, isn't this glitter? It's a, it's a Star is Born with Beyonce. Is it not glitter or what, burlesque is it in a way? And other... Showgirls was kind of that, wasn't it? Yeah. Not Showgirls. What? Dreamgirls. Dreamgirls? <laughs> I get all sorts of girls mixed up. I don't know, you said showgirls now and you said you, you know, had a lot of this in it. I was like, crap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bullshit. Clint, I don't think you're ready for this jelly man. Yeah. I don't think you should do it. I don't think you should do it. Don't You've do it. You've only got so many left Walk in away. You. Yeah, walk away. Walk away. Why, why have you... Walk away and don't look back while it explodes. <laughs> why have you Why have you spelled Clint as client? I don't know. <laughs> why are you looking at my show notes? Because I was distracted by the bad spelling. <laughs> Client Eastwood. <laughs> well, maybe, I can understand why this guy wants to direct. He's the directing Star is a Star Is Born with Beyonce. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's a whole load of musical news. I think uh, Spielberg's doing his version of Glee. There's some kind of musical shit he's doing. There's a Bob Fosse remake on the cards as well. Mm-hmm. Or not remake, biopic. Mm-hmm. Hollywood's gone musical mad. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. That's fucked up. Yeah. Here's something really funny. Um, a while ago, it was announced that David Cronenberg was going to direct this movie called uh, Cosmopolis mm-hmm. that starred Colin Farrell and uh, Marion Cotillard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cotillard, whatever the fuck. And then, 
And, uh, and, and, but I wasn't in this, and that kind of like gave me like a, a bit of a sour feeling because at the time I wasn't too crazy about Colin Farrell. And then, mm-hmm. I, then I saw it in Bruges and I was like, Colin Farrell's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then, I re- then, then Colin Farrell dropped out of this project and was replaced with Robert Pattinson. Oh. Yes, now Colin Farrell replaced with Robert Pattinson, you just don't do that shit. And then I was like, oh fuck, why is, Robert pa- why is David Cronenberg working with Robert Pattinson? Why is he doing that? You know, what, what, where's Viggo Mortensen? Why can't he bring Viggo Mortensen back? Because he's my he, Viggo's holding his calendar open you know, in case I, he works I, in the Dark Tower. I, I, do, I don't want Robert Pattinson to be given opportunities to explore whether or not he can actually act. <laughs> I, have, I, have no, I have no interest in seeing this man ever in anything. Nothing. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind seeing him as an extra. You know, like uh, but Robert Pattinson and, and in the chamber. I wouldn't acting. mind seeing him like go down the road of you know other illustrious stars as like Gary Coleman, you know. <laughs> Or something like that, but I have no interest in seeing this guy play a lead in anything, yet alone a David Cronenberg. Yeah, movie. you know. And then now it's been reported that everyone else is dropping out too. <laughs> <laughs> Marion's gotten out of there, which and people are saying, well, it does make sense because there is a ten-year gap between the two, and she's been replaced with Kira Knightley, someone else who I cannot stand. Hmm. And then Paul Gio- and uh, it's, it's it, it actually sounds like a pretty interesting movie. It's based on a book by Don DeLillo. Don DeLillo. Don DeLillo. Don DeLillo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dom, Dom DeLuise <laughs> and it tracks uh, a day from hell in the life of a newly married billionaire that Rob uh, in hell Robert oh no- from hell from hell Robert Pattinson will be playing as he cheats on his wife evades a stalker fights off a violent imposter and gradually loses his entire fortune all in the course of 24 hours it's the game yeah it's <laughs> so it sounds like it could be pretty cool Paul Giamatti was supposed to play one of the stalkers and now he's jumped <laughs> <laughs> Robert Pattinson, a.k.a. The Kiss of Death. There you go. And also, uh, this is something uh, something else that was uh, reported um, for the Spider-Man reboot. Apparently, Joe Jana Jameson's not going to feature in it. Yeah. Which, uh, hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's weird. I mean, he's going to be a, a photographer. He's going to have to sound to somebody. Yep. But it is a high school thing, so maybe they're not going to do that. Although, what Andrew Garfield's like 27 or 24, isn't he? I have no idea. Yeah, there, was this inter- in the, there was this interesting article about why is it that uh, teenagers can't play teenagers. Yeah. But I didn't read it. No. <laughs> good story, man. Good story. Keep up the good work. Podcast is all about the motherfucking research. <laughs> there is a new pick online. No, I just saw the heading for it. I just saw the heading for it. And it's like, why, do you, why, why, yeah. why, cannot teen- why can teenagers not play teenagers? And I thought... I agree with that. That's, yeah. that's a good argument. Yeah. And then flicked over. <laughs> I endorse your product or service. I endorse. I endorse it. There's a picture that came out as well of Spidey in motion, and the suit looks a bit more shiny. It, um, it looks retarded. It does look retarded, but this shit always looks retarded. It looks like a Halloween costume. Yeah, well, I mean, the eyes aren't. It looks be like right, Spider-Man's either. going out for a morning jog. Yeah, the, the shoes aren't <laughs> helping. But do you remember the pictures we saw of um, Chris Evans in, when he was running barefoot mm-hmm. after a car as Captain America? Yeah. And he had like Hulk feet on. Yeah. Remember those Hulk toys? They had like yeah, 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 foot yeah. versions of those. He had like fake shoes. <laughs> I reckon those he just they just put trainers in that for that. That's like, that's not an actor. That's not that's the hero suit. I mean, that's not the full. No, no, I know, I know. I know. Suit. No, I'm just these these onset picks. They always look kind of ridiculous. You mentioned David Cronenberg. What's I cannot David Lynch. David Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah. There was uh, just as an aside, I saw a great clip online where I was uh, an interview with David. It just cropped, cropped up on someone else's website of like interesting links for the week, mm-hmm. and it was an interview from I don't know when of David Lynch. And he's being asked, so what do you think about this whole um, product placement in movies, you know? And the guy goes into a lot of detail on the question. Like, in, you know, movies have to, you know, they've got to get more money up front. You know, there's not so much in the back end. They have to get product placement. And that might factor into the story. They might have to alter the story. What do you think of that whole thing, that whole product placement thing? And it's not clear whether, you know, David Lynch takes it as a slight against his movies. But I just like, he waits a couple of beats. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he just leaves, that's it. There's nothing else. And the guy's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that clip and put it on the show notes. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Because it's like it's like three minutes long, it's like two and a half minutes of question. My parents are dead! <laughs> oh lord. What else you got? Uh, uh, not too long ago it was uh, reported that um, the uh, the guy who uh, directed Anvil, the story of Anvil, mm -hmm. which is a documentary that I really want to see, actually. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've heard a lot of really, really good things about it. The director, I think it was one of the camera crew, when it was like they were turning up and they were playing a gig and the the people who booked them couldn't pay them and there was like all these people knitting in the audience. Mm -hmm. um, one of the camera crew talk, turned to the... Because the director was a fan. The director used to be a roadie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with them yeah, back in the 80s. And like they'd been trying... I mean, they, 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 like Metallica and everyone loved these guys. We'll do a review at some point. Mm -hmm. But uh, the cameraman actually turns to the director and says, is this fucking real? <laughs> like, is this for real, or is, you, is this a mockumentary, or what? It's like, no, it's fucking not. These guys are for real. It's like, really? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is, he's also uh, got a couple of uh, screenwriting credits under his belt. He mm -hmm. wrote The Terminal, mm -hmm. um, that Spielberg directed with Tom Hanks, and mm -hmm. uh, he also wrote Henry's Crime, the last flick that uh, Keanu Reeves did. Yeah. Um, but now he's uh, signed on to, I mean, he's signed on to direct a uh, film version of uh, Stephen Rebello's book, Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho. Oh. Um, and that Anthony Hopkins is in talks to play uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, cool. Uh, there was a production of, um, of a similar production that he was involved, that Anthony Hopkins was involved in back in 2007, and this was um, with, the, uh, with Ryan Murphy, the director of uh, Running with Scissors, and also the creator of Glee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> you know what? Glee has won that, that many awards, and there are so many fans that I'm, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, you know what, maybe there's just something wrong with me. I did I, see, I, 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 did, just, I just don't get it. I did see bits of the uh, Madonna episode while it was a home of Christmas, and while I don't agree with the concept... It, make, it makes me want to die. Yeah. I can't, I, there's, there's no other way that I can... I just want to be dead whenever, whenever it's on. I want to be dead. <laughs> The bit I saw was is that or Doctor Phil, um, and I'd already seen that episode. I want so. Michael Myers to walk through the door and end it. <laughs> that's, and just, that's that's how it will end. It'll build up the seven seasons, and then like so, your man, um, the um, Tony Jusuf character, he just kills everybody. Excellent. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> it. I can't say that it it's well made. No, no, it is well made. Yeah. I mean, I have seen a couple of episodes. Yeah. Uh, just the concept bugs you. It's you know even even the concept like a high school. I mean, I. I don't know, it's just, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm gay, she's black, we make culture, we can help you. I don't know, is, is that it? Is that that's it? one of the lines, yeah. I know, but, but it's like, uh, that, that's another thing as well, it's like, is it because it's just too fucking camp? Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know, it just does, I don't know, I watch it oh. and I, I want to mow every single one of these people <laughs> down with, a, with, a, with an Uzi. <laughs> Teenagers, eh? <laughs> Especially the ugly ones. <laughs> <laughs> You're not shallow at all. I'm not shallow. No, no. <laughs> so yeah, so that that'd be interesting to see um, see him as uh, uh, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, no, it's um, nice, a good transformation for him. Um, well, and he's really good at that. I mean, I, his performance of uh, Nixon, Nixon is just amazing. One of the, I'm not a crook. <laughs> Cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this um, this movie is going to focus on the relationship between Hitchcock and his wife, editor and assistant director Alma Reville. She was Hitchcock's sounding board and consultant collaborator mm. for 54 years of their marriage. 
and had a keen mind for dialogue and continuity. In, in, uh, in 2007, uh, Helen Mirren was supposed to play the wife. Oh, yeah? Could still happen. Okay. Cool. Uh, did you see that um, Wagner, John? John Wagner. John Wagner. <laughs> Creative creator of Judge Dredd recently visited the uh, set in South Africa. Uh huh. He couldn't put up any photos because he's uh, bound by their act. But uh, so far, he's saying like he's got to see a partial shell of the Lawmaster. He can't really comment, but did handle the Lawgiver. It looked good. He's seen uh, a lot of sex. So basically, overall, he says he likes the stuff. Yep. And separately, a picture of a Dredd stuntman on a Lawmaster came out. Which does look a bit, I mean, it'll only, it's only when you see it from the front, I guess, you'll be able to see what it's like, well, how thick those fucking tires are. Yeah. It does look a bit, the helmet seems to be a bit more better proportioned to the, to the head. It does have a little bit of a scooter sort of uh, aspect to it. Yeah. It, it does, it does look, doesn't, it doesn't look like how I would imagine a lawmaster to look. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just make the fucking bike. <laughs> it's like a big, I mean, the, the, get the bike, get the chassis from Tron. Yeah, yeah. And just fucking put a different body on it. But, uh... Yeah. This is great radio, by the way. Yeah, I know. Uh, show notes. Show <laughs> yeah, notes, yeah, yeah. Notes. I know, I know, I know. Um, I think I mentioned to you, but I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the trailer for Rubber? No, I have not. You were telling me about this. Yeah, this, this is, is the, the tire that kills people. Yeah, there was this uh, <laughs> This trailer came out a while ago where it just had this tire like on its side rolling up and exploding a crow. Um, it's like a little small independent movie. It's distributed by Magnet. You know, they do a lot of... They do a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but this, the latest trailer shows a lot more of the plot, and it's about Robert. Robert is a rubber tire who has, you know, he wants to improve his station in life, apparently. I don't think he has any dialogue, but he's also psychic. So it's Firestarter, but instead of... Um, Fire. No, instead of the... What was the chicken Firestarter? Drew Barrymore. Instead of Drew Barrymore, it's a rubber tire. And, like, it shows, like, killing cops and the other cops trying to, like, explain... I expect the tire to be just slightly more expressive. That the tire is <laughs> way... The acting from the tire is... Top notch. Is it of Oscar caliber? It probably could be. The tire could possibly be in the front running for next year's Oscars. It is. I will laugh my ass off. <laughs> you should see the trailer because it is absolutely fucking demented. Although, although I would have. But it's, re it's like, have you seen the trailer of Hobo with a shotgun? The old one. Uh, no, the, not the, the, the teaser trailer, the actual the trailer no, with no, Booker no, 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 no. I mean, it's, Both of those share the same thing. It's like, it's a high concept executed well. You know, you see the tire like vibrating when it's doing its mind power shit and like going into hotel rooms and like, what the fuck is this doing in here? And, like a woman just throwing it out and all the cops shit terrified of it because he's blown the head <laughs> off someone. But there's this whole thing as well of them. I think he's obsessed with the girl. Mm -hmm. The tire is. The tire is obsessed with the girl. Yeah. Those... Is she blonde? No, she's a brunette. <laughs> but like, you know, they, they, I think they, they, get a, they get a mannequin with a sound thing on it and have her voice going, hey, you should, you should totally try and blow my head off. <laughs> And, and it's talking like, to the tire. And it sort of lures the tire into. Trying to lure the tire. Trying to entrap the tire. Trying to entrap the tire. It's a scene of one of the cops explaining this. Listen to how this sounds. I know, but it just looks so good. And when they're like, you know, it hasn't like. This is what our suspect looks like. And he's like, one of the guys put his hand up. Is he black? <laughs> <laughs> he's a tire. Even he's saying it, you know? Just. Can you see what kind of tire is it? Or is it oh, they actually asked someone else, like, what brand is it? I think it was an off-brand. Is, is it a Dunlop? <laughs> no, it doesn't say. Is it a Michelin? No, he says, I think it was off-brand. Because the Michelin man has always looked like a fucking lunatic. Psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting at home, eating crisps, watching porn. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> I'm going to kill a yak with the power of my mind! But it looks... 
it's really well put together for such an insane concept they've really done a good job on it so I'd highly recommend you looking for this I'll put the, the link up on the site but uh, it's genius an inanimate tired is, it's a story of Robert an inanimate tired is abandoned in the desert and suddenly inexplicably comes to life as Robert roams the bleak landscape he discovers that he possesses terrifying telepathic powers that give him the ability to destroy anything he wishes without having to move at first content to prey on small desert creatures and various discarded objects his attention soon turns to humans especially a beautiful and mysterious woman who crosses his path leaving a swathe of destruction across the desert landscape Robert becomes a chaotic force to be reckoned with and truly a movie villain for ages directed by a legendary electro musician Quentin Dupieux stake non-film aka Mr. Wiseau Robert is a smart funny and wholly original tribute to the cinematic concept of no reason <laughs> this is no reason for this movie the tire beware the tire beware the tire but it could be a great slasher figure it just looks cool it's got heads exploding how back can it be yeah exactly it's got a rubber tire going like that <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ that sounds ridiculous it does and it's, it's it embraces it's in this it's ridiculousness um, so other news actually uh, TV news um, we reported a while ago the Wonder Woman uh, thing for TV was dead David e. Kelly's version yep that's now it's been, uh, it's been taken up again yeah by NBC NBC's gonna, gonna screen it so again interesting to see where they fucking go with this because how the fuck do you make Wonder Woman work in the modern world I don't know well insiders say that uh, they are going with a non-campy approach mm -hmm. uh, which coming from the guy who created Ally McBeal is gonna be interesting <laughs> it's gonna be a stretch <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm going to reserve judgment based on who they cast. Yeah. I want to see who, who they get to play Wonder Woman and whether or not they find a role for Linda Carter. Mm. They gotta pray, you got to pay homage to yeah. Linda Carter. You got to. You can't. You can't not do it. Yeah. Please, God. <laughs> She's so hot. <laughs> I'd do her in a New York Minute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought a New York Minute was how long it got to take a slice of pizza. A New York Minute. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Um, finishing off the news, I guess today, uh, news has come in that uh, they're working on, in similar way they worked on a tr teaser trailer for Tron for San Diego Comic Con. The upcoming DVD release of Tron Legacy should have an extra bit of footage on it, which will be a teaser for Tron 3. So as we, we reported last time, it's heading what for 300 million worldwide. Yeah, so I mean it's, it's made uh, enough to make a sequel. Well, I think uh, they, they they reported some time ago that they were in fact going to go ahead with a sequel. Yep. And that, well, uh, I think they started running a script, but they haven't greenlit it yet. Right. All right. Um, so the scenes that they're going to have in this bit is Bruce Boxleitner talking with the guy uh, Dan Shore who played Ram mm -hmm. in the first movie, and apparently he's been the one maintaining the whole Flynn lives thing because they have the whole thing that, that he's the Flynn lives website in the, the movie. Like yep. people have that shit going on. Yeah. Another one is about Quora um, arriving at Encom headquarters, and also apparently a text conversation over via like MSN or some shit between Dillinger from the first movie and. Mm -hmm his son about everything's going to plan and stuff so hopefully it is going to apparently that scene with uh, Killian Murphy was done during reshoots because oh, right. they wanted to explain a little bit more of why Sam breaks into income and right, right, right. Was, which you know I think it worked quite well but uh, that'd be awesome seeing Killian Murphy's the bad guy and seeing him in the computer world and you know no, that'd, that be sweet. that'd be sweet I'd actually totally forgotten about that that he had that nice little cameo yeah. in it I forgot to mention we totally forgot about yeah, it yeah we view. completely forgot about it we were too wrapped up in our own bullshit mm. which never happens usually no no listen to me I'm awesome yeah <laughs> I was washing my hair the other day and, you know. Tell me more about stealing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that one time. Oh, I, I forgot you. I mean, a couple thing. of candy bars in a few places, but that was it, you know, like a couple of Snickers bars, you know, nothing, nothing major. Crypto. Nothing major. Did you go shopping? You know, uh, actually, actually, once you've been caught, you tend to not really want to do it. <laughs> the, shame. the shame. The shame. The shame. I could feel God 
disowning me at that very It'll moment. Never work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, really finishing off the news this time. Uh, some photos came out from Paul W. S. Anderson's version of the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. We talked about casting on this before, but I don't think it was clear who was playing who, right? Um, no, I think it was a. Uh, well, Christoph Waltz is going to play Cardinal Richelieu. Logan Lerman is D'Artagnan. Ray Stevenson is Porthos, not Ray. Not Ray. Uh, Park. Yeah. <laughs> no, the other. Oh, governor. That Ray. Oh, Ray Winston. Ray Winston. That's what I thought when I first saw it. Matthew McFadden is Athos. Mads Mikkelsen is Rochefort. So, uh, Luke Evans is Aramis. But the photos of this um, have come out, and I'm going to put links up to these. And the one thing that really stands out to me is that Matthew McFadden simply can't do fake hair. No, no, it, it looks very fake. Yeah, do you remember? You, have you, did you see Robin Hood? Hmm? Did you see Robin Hood? No, I didn't. Because the Sheriff of Nottingham was reduced to a bit part in that because he's setting him up to be the bad guy for the sequels. Mm-hmm. And in that, he's terrible hair and makeup. And if you look at any of the shows he's done, he just has, he looks really bad in a wig. Yeah, Frost yeah, Nixon yeah. being a prime example. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. that was a really bad wig, and John Burt is that ugly. Yeah. But um, he just looks better with like normal the hair from. Yeah, yeah, when, what's when, it? You, when you see him normally. What's it called? The what? Spooks. Spooks, yeah. Is it Spooks? Good-looking man. Anything else? He's a lady. <laughs> Ooh. Even with a goatee, it just looks. It just looks like this really itches. <laughs> Emails. Video mail. 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 That's email two. Email one says, "Hey guy, we got two emails this week." Excellent. Uh, the first email is from Stan. It says, "Hi guys, I like the show notes bit you've added to the site." Anyway, I just wanted to comment on the new Spider-Man picture. I think they went for Peter makes his first costume from a wetsuit look, but I think it suits his 165-pound frame. I like it. Cheers. I mean, that's interesting, because what was it? Uh, Jackass. Uh, kick-ass. Jackass. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. There's actually, I'm not sure, is it the MTV Movie Awards or something else? The guys from Jackass did a load of skits. I haven't mm-hmm. watched them yet, but they did Inception, The Social Network, and something yeah, else. Yeah, I heard about that. I, seen I haven't seen it yet. No. Maybe we'll have a look and put them up next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the kick-ass thing was, I mean, how do you get a skin-type suit unless you go to some fetish shops? You go to, like, what was it? The torture garden and pick up something there. Yeah, you, I mean, it's... And that's going to have a Inbill's costume. It'd yeah. be hard to explain. Whereas kick-ass had it that it was a dorky green wetsuit, although he must have been sweating bricks running around in a fucking wetsuit. Yeah, probably. But uh, I think, yeah, does well, it, it, looks, it looks more, like I said, it looks more waxy. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, like, as I've said before, uh, it's it's just the whole idea of a reboot that I have issues with. I think, you know, like, all of the visuals that I've seen in the casting... Yeah. I got no, I got no issues with it. I thought it was a, it's a good-looking picture, and, yeah. he, and he does look like Peter Parker. Yeah, <laughs> like a young Peter Parker. And it's nice that they're keeping that slinky look because it reminds. It's a very does steep, what look? The the, the soul slinky look. Oh, slinky look. Slinky. Look. That's slinky. Slanky. Slanky. Slank. Oh, slank. Is that uh, he's it's, worried? It's, 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 rem, it's reminiscent of Steve Ditko's Spider-Man, and I yeah. like that. Yeah, because yeah, he, he's not a bolt-up guy. He's yeah. a skinny guy who can lift cars. Yeah, hmm. I like that uh, that he's not. They haven't been sending him to the gym all the time, like with Toby, <laughs> with Toby Maguire, who went from like the guy who was in independent movies to like what the fuck. <laughs> so you would have broken Seabiscuit's back. Uh, email two is from regular correspondent Max. And it says, it's a bit late, but Happy New Year. I've arrived here, although for security reasons, I cannot tell you both where here is. Other than to describe, it is a large country whose last name is Rallium. I'll be here for a few days on a secret undisclosed project and had to leave Barnaby with Midge. A name mine Barry checked me in earlier, told me that he was tired because he got only two hours of sleep. He blamed the only fools and horses to complete the collection DVD. I assured him I have no idea what he's talking about. I have a question. What are some of your favorite British sitcoms from the 80s and 90s? Love, Max. That's a big question. Big question. I mean, they are, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, we both 
spent time yeah. in the BBC broadcasting niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if there are people in the world who are really big into Tamil comedies, but British TV seems to get fucking everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Only Fools and Horses is a classic. Yeah, Only Fools and Horses is... It's definitely up there. I mean, did that start in the 80s or was it the late 70s? Oh, I think it was the early 80s. Because also, I mean, like, uh, I would also throw the two Ronnies in there as well, but oh. I think but the two Ronnies started in the 70s. And there's a thing, actually, I should probably pick out as well. Note for self, uh, the one Ronnie. Yeah. They did a show over Christmas on the BBC with the one Ronnie and they had... Uh, what, Ronnie Corbett? Yeah, Ronnie Corbett. And they also had... Um, like Harry Enfield was in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. They did a great, you know the old stuff, the the old trope they used to do where one of them walks into the grocery store, yeah, like yeah, open yeah. all hours, yeah, and the other yeah. guy's wearing the long yeah, brown yeah, jacket yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he's all about, I'm having a problem with me apple. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with it? Well, it won't reboot. And it's like, well, hang on. And he takes it back, a plastic bag. It's a fucking apple. It's like a fruit apple. And then he's like, well, hang on, let me reboot it. And Harry Enfield takes it and punts it. And it goes through the window. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, it doesn't run on windows. But it's a, it's a whole three minute section. It's on, people had it on Facebook and stuff like that. And I saw it when I was at home. It was the ident for the show. Because mm-hmm. you know, BBC at Christmas do special idents yep. based upon all the shows they're showing. And uh, they showed this and it was brilliant. And then it's like, I've also got Pumpy Blackberry. <laughs> and then it comes with a Blackberry fruit. Uh, I love the two guys. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a so good night from him, and it's a good night from me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the two Ronnies is genius. Uh, oh. Always, every Christmas, it's got to be um, Markham and Wise. Markham and Wise. Sorry, a sitcom, but it's it's brilliant. Is that English? What? Yeah, Markham and Wise. Oh, yeah, Markham and Wise. Sorry, sorry. I was, I was thinking Mork and Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I was like, what? <laughs> I, and, uh, just, I got my I got my morks mixed up. More more come more come more come. Sorry, I don't know why. I mean, I was watching again. I was my watching. brain stopped working after Mork, and I just saw Robin Williams. <laughs> I was watching the like sixty-seven or seventy-four Christmas special over Christmas. And it's like. Like, I, I vaguely know who these cameos are now. It's like when they zoom yeah, in yeah. on Angela Rippon's legs, it's like, who the fuck knows who Angela Rippon is? There's the whole yeah, thing yeah, where they're yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. we ain't got no dames, yeah, that yeah. song. And it's all the newsreaders from uh, the BBC and ITV yeah, TV yeah. shows. The only one anyone recognizes is Michael Aspel because the rest are all dead. It's like, that's fucking army. Oh, and uh, Elton John. He's yes. constantly wandering through the episode <laughs> looking for the Markham and Wise show. At one point, he opens a door and falls into the Thames. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, Markham and Wise is genius. Yeah. Uh, I would watch it with my nan every Christmas. It's, it's genius. Yeah. Kenny Everett? Kenny Everett, yeah. Kenny Everett. I don't, I don't know if that's available. I've never seen that available to buy afterwards. I mean, no, me neither. Like, it'd be interesting to see if it holds up. Cupid, I mean, Cupid stunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's all done in the best possible taste. And Side Back of the Spider-Man. And Billy, and Billy Connolly was always in it. Yeah, and the, 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 the sketch they had where like Spider-Man climbed. Did you ever see the sketch of the Spider-Man sketch? He climbed yeah, into, yeah. The, into a window and it's a bathroom. It's a Jets bathroom. Yeah, 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 and he's yeah, trying yeah. to go for a piss but there's no zipper on the suit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that style of comedy is the best. And Nicholas Lyndhurst. Nicholas Lyndhurst. Didn't Ross Abbott was in a few as well, I think? Yeah, and Ross Abbott's genius. Yeah, what was it? Ross Abbott's Saturday Half Hour or something it was called, Saturday Night Show. I remember one sketch, uh, this is where uh, it's in a ho- it's in a hospital wait emer- uh, hospital waiting room, mm-hmm. and Ross Abbott's there with the janitor. He's the janitor, and he's mopping the floor. And this guy runs in and is like, "Excuse me, what's the quickest way to what's the quickest way to casualty?" And, and the guy headbutts him. <laughs> Is he the teddy boy? Yeah, yeah, is he dressed yeah, as a teddy boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The teddy boys, for those of you who don't know, guys are quiffs and crepes. 
fucking hell. Uh, but that's more. Those are more variety uh, shows, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so the yeah. sitcom wise, I mean, there's always Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. But I, have the, I have the full. Faulty Towers is seventies. Was it uh, yeah. Blackadder? That, Black that straddles that area. Blackadder. Um, Father Ted counts as that because it was made by Channel Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the IT Crowd is a great one of the modern age. Yep. Um, um, game on. I was I was a big fan of Game On. The original, or what was, when they had the with, dark hair. Yeah, with, uh, with Ben Chaplin. Ben Chaplin. Ben Chaplin. Ben Chaplin. Yeah, Just yeah. the first series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ben was Chaplin genius. was great. The second one was like, who the fuck's this blonde? He's just a. Cut. He just comes up like a fucker. Ben he's, Chaplin had the charm. Had the charm to do it because he's afraid to leave the house, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, he's afraid to leave the house. And he was the ginger guy. Oh god. Uh, was it Chick to Samantha Janis? No. Yeah, Samantha Janis. The, the, the ginger guy was Matthew Cottle. <laughs> you know Samantha Janice? Martin. Is that in Martin? You know Samantha Janice is now Samantha something else. She's, she's married and changed her name. Oh, really? Is she and still? Is she still on EastEnders? No, she's not because she quit because they, well, they, they, she's quitting early because they had her still. They had her give birth, have um, her baby was born stillborn, and she stole Cat Slater's baby. Why would anyone want to kill steal Cat Slater? Oh no, it's like ew, <laughs> spawn of Satan. <laughs> Six 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 in the back of the fucking head, but uh, she's like uh, getting shit on the street and like not, not on the street, Carnation Street or the street Eastenders, the fucking real life street. People are giving her like just hurling abuse at her and throwing trash. Oh yeah, because they believe that shit. Yes, I know. <laughs> so it, she's. It was, uh, it was like when uh, fucking Martin Kemp. Yeah. When he was uh, playing Steve Owen, is it Steve Owen? Is that his name? I think Steve Owen's the actor who plays Sid. No, no, no it's something. But that's it, Owen. I could have sworn he's playing that character. Anyway, uh, but he was playing a real bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like the, uh, the, the uh, Dirty Den version yeah. 2.0. Yeah, and uh, everyone on the street just was giving him shit. Yeah. He, was, like, he, was at, he was at an interview. He was at an interview, and he was like saying uh, he held the door open for this uh, for this old granny, and, uh, and she's like, "Get away from me, you nasty man!" <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I think 80s and 80s and 90s. Uh, Garth, Garth Marenghi's was 90s. Wasn't open it? all hours. Porridge. Porridge is seventies, definitely, man. Porridge is seventies. Yeah, I think Porridge is seventies. It's still good though. Um, ninety. Spaced. Spaced. <laughs> the best TV show of all time. <laughs> How the fuck could we fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Simon. I'm, I'm sorry, Edgar. I'm sorry, Nerd Do Well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Space is one of the best TV yeah. shows of all time. So yeah, Space, uh, the first series of Coupling. Cu- Coupling, yeah. Coupling that, was the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, that was late 90s, that's yeah. right. I was, I was pretty good. Look oh, and uh, uh, fucking uh, Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge, Alan yeah. Partridge. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> knowing me and knowing you. Aha! Uh, I mean, they also reinvented the sitcom style thing with the the, the, the Morris, what's his, uh, not Philip Morris, I love you, Philip Morris, um, Chris Morris. Chris Morris's stuff, yeah. the day to day and brass yeah. eye. That was like, it's a, it is a situation that is comedic, but it's not a sitcom. Um, what was and horses? I'm trying to think. There's, there's, there's way more. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's so many. Yeah. Only fools and horses just fucking crap. You know, I have a the I, shot I, of Del Boy with his big mobile phone in the wine bar, leaning back when they've already raised the wine bar, and he just fucking falls. I mean, it's. Basic it's, comedy or Trigger. It's like no, but some of the dialogue is. Remember just Trigger cheap. got the Trigger yeah, got yeah. an award for like yeah. having the same brush for twenty five years. Like yeah, I've had this. Or he could get for longest employee. He's like yeah, I've had this brush for twenty five years. I've had to change the head six times and the handle four times. It's like, dodge and what's it? <laughs> Boise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Boise even exists anymore. Do you remember? Do you remember the episode where um, uh, uh, 
Del, Del Boy thinks there's a there's a there's a it's a miracles happening because uh, the the statue of Mary is Mother Mary's crying. Oh yeah, and it's rust from the it's fucking rain. It's rain with its rust colored yeah, rain yeah. from the roof that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to get people in then. <laughs> And he knew about it too. <laughs> he knew about he's it. Selling he's souvenirs he's selling it like the an all round deluxe miracle. <laughs> <laughs> but the money you can make off this, you can get the place rebooted, you know, refurbished, and, and get Samantha Fox to open it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> that dates it. That dates it. Samantha Fox, oh, queen of massive tits. But I used to drive my nan uh, insane because she's a pretty much a light sleeper. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was living with her, when I was uh, in, in London, I had a Only Fools and Horses alarm clock. <laughs> it was uh, it was basically like uh, this diorama, uh, like a uh, of um of their car. The Robin Reliant. Yeah, yeah. And Trotters Independent Traders. <laughs> Trotters Independent Traders. And in the background, their um their flat block. And so when, whenever um, the alarm came on, a light would come on in their apartment. Nice. <laughs> and we were going to play the theme. And then it would go, Rodney, Rodney. <laughs> Rodney, wake up, you dipstick! <laughs> and then the theme song would come on. <laughs> the one who driving me berserk. Why do only fools and horses work? Na 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 na. Oh man, it woke my nan up so many times before it woke me up. Yeah. <laughs> she just she came in one day and what, hit me over the head. <laughs> Get out of bed, Rodders! I told you to Get rid of that flaming clock! Still no more than. <laughs> God, yeah, we've. Uh, is there anything else? There's gotta be. There's gotta we be. We might have to revisit this question next yes, week. Yes, yes. Uh, Open all hours. Awesome. Love that show. Is that with um, David Jason and uh, Ronnie Barker? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Ronnie yes, Barker. Yes, yes, yes. I was a little confused about how you're being served. It's like when he walks, he's, he's like, he's having an affair. He's having like this little. Uh, David Jason is having this little fling with the chick who brings the milk. And Jason, David Jason's the young guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's having this um, little kiss-up session with uh, the chick who brings the milk. Yeah. He's like, did you get my note yesterday? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I know, it was very shocking. Normally the notes I get is no cream tomorrow, please. Mm. I was very excited to hear you saying this stuff and then he shuts her up. He's like, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, you know, like one kiss, one bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and then he walks in there with like 10 bottles, right? And he's like, and Ronnie Barber's like, what are you going to do with that lot? He's like, I thought I'd make a custard. <laughs> they are good, you know, people. And they're exactly, the, it's exactly the kind of line or, that I cannot see American sitcoms catching on to. Yeah, or even any sitcoms doing it today. I mean, that stuff, that older stuff, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be looked down on because it's older. I do not look down at it at all. I think it's genius. I, mean, I know, I, but I, I, I still make reference to these shows more than I make reference to stuff that's yeah. current. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, British sitcoms. British sitcoms. It's a sitcom bit that's getting me. I mean, this life wasn't a sitcom, but I mean that was nine. That was nineties as well. But um, as time goes by, and one foot in the grave, one foot in the grave, <laughs> that, one foot in the there grave. There you go. There you I go. I knew I believed. Uh, one foot in the grave. That's awesome. There's no list. There's no list on Wikipedia. Damn it. <laughs> one foot in the grave is this genius concept of uh, these two. You know, it's a retired married couple, and he's just the most miserable shit yeah. on the face. Victor of the Meldrew. Victor Meldrew, and his cat. His catchphrase is, "I don't believe it." 
Yeah, the, oh, the good life for those seventies as well. Yeah. Open all hours. Last, I hated last summer the wine. Summer wine, last summer wine. I wanted them to all. I wanted it to be there last summer. What about bottom? Bottom was eighties, right? Bottoms was definitely late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bottom was genius. Bottom. Bottom had the whole physical violence of Vic Reeves, mm. but before Vic Reeves, where there was like. And the fast show is the late nineties as well. True. Not really a sitcom though. That's more of a sketch show. Yeah. But uh, if you could tie all the bits together, men behaving badly. Oh, and they were always. I was like. Rising Damp, oh shit. I yeah, well, Rising Damp. That's right, 70s, right, right, that's right, 70s. Leonard Rossiter. Yeah, that's 70s, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> absolutely fabulous. Uh, Birds of a Feather used to piss me off as well. Vicar Dibley Actually, still Rising, pisses me off. Rising Damp does deserve mention yeah. for uh, for people who are not familiar with like uh, the like a British entertainment scene. Yeah. Rising Damp also starred uh, Richard Beckinsale, the father of Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he wasn't the black guy, no? No. <laughs> <laughs> Because the black guy was, he's turned up a yeah, yeah. lot of things, he's like, oh, I do, he overpronounced yeah, the black The black guy does a lot of stuff with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he was in Hamlet. But he's using incredibly yes, effusive. Yes, Lord. Yes. That's what it was. I saw something Doctor Who recently, I think it was. When it was at home, it was like, oh, hello, I, we need to save the time. Well, he has incredibly large lips. Yes, he does. <laughs> That's mad. Oh, yes, Minister. Yes, Minister. There you go. There you go. Um, Red Dwarf! Yes! Oh, Red <laughs> Now! 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 I mean, I actually have all of Red Dwarf there. I got as far as like season six and I was like, fuck this. But the, there was two or three seasons of Red Dwarf that beautifully married the sci-fi with the comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, Rimmer got his fucking uh, holographic virus and he had yep. the penguin yep. on his wrist. And he's like, Mr. Flippy's not happy. You know, the, the, just, they did they did beautiful high concept sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the spare squid. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's a squid that infects you with ink that makes you despair. They all hallucinate that they're not actually the real people. They're in another universe, and just that, Crichton's fucking obsessive OCD and and Lester trying to get him to be out of it, like trying to teach him how to curse or trying to lie. <laughs> what is this? Say it's a banana. No, but it's an orange. What is it? It's a mm, it's a mm, it's a mm, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a herd of pigeons from the uh, Eiffel Tower. Oh my god, I just did it! <laughs> You're sm, sm, and uh, Robert Llewellyn's face. You're sm, again. They hated each other. Yeah, Robert Llewellyn and. Oh, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, apparently, they all didn't get along at all. Mm. Uh, but I, that was just genius. That was a really good show. Um, it was so, I mean, all of the stuff back then was beautifully surreal. Yeah. You know, it all had this insane, even the, the more naturalistic stuff. It had this real sort of intense, heightened sense of reality that yeah. was very amped up. It's like you know, why we look at wor- we look at the world slightly at eighty-seven it's, degrees. You know, it's to just everyone slightly else. weird. You know, it's like it, it feels like everyone's on on something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> before we even knew that what on something meant. Yeah. It's like even with one foot. That's in the our normality. That's why we're so fucked up. Even with one foot in the grave, with uh, Richard Wilson and uh, Annette Crosby, yeah. who, who I've always had a crush on. I've always thought she's very cute. Oh, you creepy fucker. <laughs> I mean, Laura Wasson was one thing. She's still her hair is still like colored. At least, at least. And that Crosby's a crayon. I'm saying that she looks like she could have been hot in her youth. She has a very cute face. I feel the same way about Jessica Tandy. You can't hear it right now, but I'm giving them the the biggest fucking stare down. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Oh, God, Watch me hip. Watch me hip. <laughs> no, but even then, even though like they're they're both old, and yet somehow the energy like uh, of, of what what's going on, it always feels like it's all coked out. Oh God, uh, Victor. Cunt. <laughs> um, Phoenix Knights. I never really got into Black Books. Is yes. good. That's that's definitely nineties. Yes. I think. Still and Born. No, no, no. That that was two uh, thousand. Right? Was it? I, yeah, yeah. I got it in a box set with the yep. uh, space. 
Green Wing was definitely uh, 2000, so was Peep Show, and the Inbetweeners is very new. Two pints of lager and a packet of crisps is the biggest uh, reason to destroy the sitcom concept as a concept, because it's fucking terrible. Uh, staring ex Hollyoaks people just being wankers. It's not that funny. Um, <laughs> surprisingly. It's not that funny. No, it's not that funny. It's terrible. I mean, it's called two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. This is the best they can hope for. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Max. And anyone who hasn't seen Red Dwarf, I would highly recommend going back and looking at the second and third seasons. They had some great effects. It was all like Derek Minning's kind of stuff. It was like, the, I mean, they've gone back and redone some of them with the special effects. Well, basically, any of, this, any of the shows that we've uh, brought up, they're all very classic, solid, very good shows. Yeah. If we do say so ourselves. Yeah. But I mean, no, I mean, if I, know, if I know one thing, I know you and I know comedy. <laughs> Reviews. What do you got for a review for us this weekend? Uh, I'm reviewing The Kids Are All Right. Uh, this is the film that um, recently had quite a few nominations at the uh, Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annette Bening won for uh, Best Actress in a Comedy and Musical. And uh, it's essentially about a lesbian couple. Hang on, the tourist was also in that category, right? Uh, yeah, but it didn't win anything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, having seen this film, I can say that she is very good in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that this movie's better than The Tourist. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very sturdy limb you're going out on. I think that's also known as like the Severn Bridge. I, well, I'm a big fan of the Severn Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's solid. It's very solid. It's not a fucking limb. Yeah, it's about um, a lesbian couple played by Annette Benning and Julianne Moore. Annette mm. Benning plays uh, Nick, who's the guy, and uh, Julianne Moore is Jules, who is the bitch. And uh, they, 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 they have two kids. Mm. Uh, one of them's a daughter named Joni, after Joni Mitchell, as you find out later in the movie. Ooh. And she's played by uh, Mia Wasikowska. And this, is, and this is the last time I'm going to say her name like that. From now on, I shall call her Mia Wachowski. Because that's easier to say. And it sounds like Lebowski. Yes. And uh, they have a son named Laser. I'm guessing it was named after a Laser Mission starring Ernest Borgnine <laughs> and Brandon Lee. <laughs> okay. I'm guessing. Hers, his name is never explained. All right. Uh, except that you know, there, it's a it's set in California, right? Except that you know that, uh, yeah. Ex- uh, <laughs> except that you know that he does. He only likes to be called Laser and not Lace. <laughs> like, yeah, he yeah. T- he takes issue with that later. Uh, but these two were artificially inseminated using the same sperm. Mm-hmm. So Julianne Moore took some of the sperm, and Ned Benning had some of the sperm, and they both have kids. Oh, they switched it up. Yeah. So it's not like one. It's like a Ned Benning gave birth to. Um, They're both invested. Yes. So Annette Benny gave birth to Joni, and Julianne Moore gave birth to Laser. Mm. Does Laser have red hair? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Annette Benning is the guy. Dominant genes. Actually, they both have red hair. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but um, and uh, and uh, so Laser is played by Josh Hutcherson, who was in uh, Journey into the Center of the Earth 3D, also known as that piece of shit. Um, and so what happens is that um, Joni turns 18. And uh, we find out that... Has uh, Joni got a gun? No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering. That's totally in a fucking... Sorry. <laughs> no, she doesn't have a gun. No. 
Liv, and, and, and Liv Tyler or she's, Steven Tyler don't turn up in the movie. She's turned 18 and uh, pretty soon she's going to be leaving to go to college. Uh -huh. And so in the meantime, Josh Hutcherson, her brother, has been basically like saying, now you're 18, you can contact the sperm donor, the father, because mm -hmm. he's curious about it. And in a strange way, she kind of is as well, but she's not really interested in it. But the son's got this real hard on about wanting to know who his dad is. So That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, so they find out who it is. Uh, now, Mark Ruffalo plays Paul, the sperm donor, mm -hmm. and uh, he's very good. The, the, the cast is uniformly excellent. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, the acting's really solid in this film. And essentially, he's um, a college dropout, but he's done well for himself. He's got a restaurant, he's got a little organic farm and everything, blah, blah, blah. And he's a bit of a hipster, mm -hmm. okay? And um, you kind of get the impression that, yes, he's fairly sexually active. And, but he's not a bad guy or anything. Now, he gets a call from the uh, sperm donor place, like saying, this young lady's call says she wants to meet you. We, we, we need your permission to do that. And uh, so he's kind of like a little freaked out by it. It's like, oh shit, I have a kid. They actually use my sperm? Yeah. You know? Uh, so he's like, that was a quick 20 bucks. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, well, it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. Uh, and so then he says, really? yeah, yeah, a little bit more than 20. And then. <laughs> I could do a 20 bucks. <laughs> well, this was back then, inflation. Mm. It's probably less now. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Because he did it like in the early 90s or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. She's born in the early '90s, and she's like 20 now. Yeah, God, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically uh, says, "Yeah, it's fine," uh, and then they start communicating with each other, and uh, then he gets brought. They, he gets brought into the family. Everyone kind of gets to know each other, and uh, hilarity and not so much hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially awkward silences. Hilarity and awkward silences. Well, actually, thankfully, no. There's not that. There's not, not that many options. It's not a tough solveness joint. No, not really. <laughs> uh, the script is good. Yeah. I mean, the, the dialogue, the, there's some really nice witty banter that goes on between the characters. And uh, it never feels forced. It always feels uh, pretty grounded in reality. So it, it does kind of feel that, yeah, this, these you, are real you, people. You are, yeah, these are real people. And, uh, you know, no, no, they all have their flaws. You know, there's, uh, they, you know, there's different reasons to like, dislike and like all of them. And I like that. I like the fact that uh, Mark Ruffalo's character is not a complete schm not a complete dick. Yeah. You know, that he doesn't come in there and just, I mean, he does fuck shit up, but it's, it it's more the situation than yeah, him. Yeah, it's more the situation than him, you know? Uh, and there's other parties to blame as well. I mean, I won't say too much about that because... That's the joy of the movie. That's the joy of the movie. And also some of these things you'll probably see coming. Yeah. Uh, so, but in general, that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a very solid film. Nicely written, nicely directed, very understated direction. Um, Annette Bening's... Who directed it? Um, it was directed by this lady, uh, Lisa Cholodenko. Oh, no, I haven't heard of her. I haven't heard of her either. Mm. Uh, and she also co-wrote the script with uh, Stuart Bloomberg. Mm. Uh, but it's really good cast. I mean, it's like Mark Ruffalo's character. I mean, Annette Bening, she's, I mean, she's the guy. She's the more serious-minded one. She's, the, she's basically the breadwinner in the family. Uh, Julianne Moore gave up her career to look after the kids. So, and she's kind of like the, you know, like the hippie wife. Earth Mother. A little bit of free, a little bit of a free spirit. Like you know, wants to try all these different things, and she wants to, you know, she wants to start this landscaping business, you know, and all that shit. And uh, and that's kind of how like uh, she gets to know Mark Ruffalo's character a bit better because he offers her a job, designing all that stuff, and all sort of. And at the same time, the kids like him. He's a cool guy. Yeah. So it's like he's not a loser. He's just a bit of a schmuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so where's the drama come from? It sounds like. Well, I mean, I mean, like uh, the, dra the drama there's comes. Conflict between there's, the there's, a, yeah, a there's different conflict between the parts tonight, and the, one of it is a little bit of a twist. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, the one thing they're I all dead. Yeah, they all die in the end. <laughs> uh, the, the biggest problem I have with it is that Mia Wachowski yeah. always looks like she wants to cry. Really? She always looks like she's on the verge of bursting into tears, and you just kind of wish she would. And does that suit the the, the plot? 
I don't know. I was just distracted by it. I mean, like, I mean, certain scenes, I suppose. Yeah, she is supposed to be a bit upset. Mm -hmm. And in the scenes in which she is supposed to be upset, she looks strangely happier than she does in the scenes when she's supposed to be happy. Hmm. So she's got a weird face. She's Australian. What's wrong with your face? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would definitely. You haven't seen that Star Wars review where you keep saying what's wrong with your face, do you? No, I haven't seen that. <clears throat> but uh, no, I would definitely recommend this movie. It's uh, it's good fun. Cool. I've heard a lot of the awards buzz about this, so I mean, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. I think I have it there. Yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a nice it's a very understated film. That's you know, and in this day and age where a lot of things that tend to be. Is it this year's Little Miss Sunshine? Uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I think the poster gave me that kind of idea. I don't know where I came from. Um, I watched the DVD that I got for Christmas because I really didn't want to leave the house yesterday. Uh, I saw Exit uh, through the gift shop. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who knows any kind of thing about street art or anyway who doesn't, they just like sweet T-shirts. Um, is a street artist called Banksy who has done a load of kind of art terrorism in the UK. Start from Bristol, he's gone to the UK, he's gone to like London now, and he does things like he's he's done a piece where he actually like took a red British phone box, sawed it in half, cut bits out of it, made it lie on its side with a pickaxe in it, mm -hmm. like murdering BT. Yep, yep. Um, he's done plenty of stencil art. He does stencil stencil graffiti, mm -hmm. and he's done plenty of that stuff. And this movie is is, is framed with him. I mean, this guy protects his uh, anonymity to the nth degree, and even very. Uh, Topical is the fact that some guy was auctioning off Banksy's identity online mm -hmm. and they get a reach close to a million before eBay cancelled it because it wasn't actually selling something solid. He was going to, he then countered by saying, I have Banksy's name and address on a piece of paper that I will sell you, and that will be the only person who knows about it. But and it, to be fair, in the world of art and the world of anything, you do anything, you've got to involve so many people. It's amazing that no one knows who this guy is yet. Yeah. Be, I've seen, when I was in the UK, he was interviewed by Time Out Magazine and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This is, it's a weird movie because it's like, people are describing it as Banksy's movie. Yeah. And he does have a very, his art art style is very much like two fingers up. Some of the classic pop uh, things he's done is like, there's somewhere in London, there's a CCTV pointing at a wall and he's stenciling the wall. What are you looking at? Yeah. Because he's literally pointing at the wall. He's got a load of things with like cops kissing, like two cops kissing yeah, 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 or yeah. like a rat with a... He is, I mean, he's diesel. one of those guys that uh, even if you... Even if the name doesn't sound familiar, you know his images. Yeah, I think they had on a, he, he bought he bought some time on a bridge somewhere in London or Bristol where it said like another stupid fucking ad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or he had like uh, Jules and uh, Vince Vega from yeah yeah. Like, it is all. It's in a weird area for me because it's like, is it art or is it just it's it's humorous? It's a funny little juxtaposition of images, but is it art? I don't know. But to get to this movie, um, the, he introduces the movie, and he's like, he's in shadow, and he's got uh, his voice is modulated, mm -hmm. and he says, "I had this guy who came to me with all this footage, and all this footage of street art, and I was like, it was amazing, but then I realized that the movie's not about us; it's about him. So this guy's Thierry Guetta is his name. He's in LA. He lives and works in LA. He's got a he had a, one of those kind of thrift stores where he'd buy like, you know, a bale of secondhand clothes for like 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And then he would call them designer and do a few things with them and sell them for like 100 bucks each. Right. So he had a bit of money and just from what, some point in his life, and this is the thing, we'll get to, I'll get to later about how there's the reality versus hoax question about this, but there's very much, a very much reality to it in the fact that from some point in his life, he got a camcorder in his hand. And from that point onwards, he didn't put it down. And it's, tapes everything and it's footage of him with his kids there's him going to fucking John he just was doing this shit all the time this is shown to the movie and uh, his cousin he went to France one year and his cousin is the uh, graffiti street artist called Invader mm -hmm. and I don't know if, if you've heard of Invader I've seen some of his stuff he does the Space Invaders from the video game Space Invaders you know the, the, mm -hmm. the yeah, yeah. and he just does them in mosaic tiles right. and so he prepares them in advance and then he sticks them all over Paris 
and they've grown all over the world as well. Like, and that's just that it's kind of it's 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 gone. It's worn up from graffiti, you know. It's graffiti, and that's led to street art. So through him, then he he just started filming him and helping him out. Now, the guy is a comedy fucking. He's like the fifth Max brother. Like he just like, you know he's filming these guys putting up you know illegal fucking posters and shit like that, and he's got the light full on on the camera. Like put that fucking shit off. And uh, he meets Shepard Ferry, who came uh, through uh, Invader. Invader brings him to LA because he's meeting up with this other guy. And this guy, Shepard Ferry, is the guy who came up with Obey Giant. Mm -hmm. You ever see those things? Mm -hmm. Or Andrew the Giant has a posse? Yep, yep. And you see, uh, there's one thing I've seen online. I was looking into it to see whether this is all like done recently or all done in the past. And it does show that where they meet is a Kinko's that's now no, no longer a Kinko's. And the, the, the street outside matches what they say it was back at that time. So he meets these guys, and through, you know, Invader goes home and he stays. I mean, he stays in LA. He lives in LA and he just hangs out with Shepard Ferry, but he keeps like Shepard Ferry is the one who tells him to turn the fucking cap, the light off when he's taping because they're gonna get arrested by the fucking cops. Mm -hmm. And he just has all this footage and he's like, "What are you taping for?" And he just says, "A documentary." Now he's no fucking idea in his mind about any kind of documentary or anything like that. He's just recording for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. And so he's recording Shepard Ferry and through Shepard Ferry, he introduced he's introduced to all these other um, street artists. And so he gets to know all the best places in the in, in uh, Los Angeles and all around the world. He gets to go traveling all and then he's, he's the guy with the camera. They just bring him along, it's fine, it's cool. He helps him out, he carries their shit, he helps him out with their shit. Now he gets to a point where he's realizing that the whole documentary thing, he's been doing it like for a couple of years, and the whole documentary thing, there's nothing produced. And at some point he announces that, and he admits that he wasn't even looking at the tapes. Like they're not labeled. Mm -hmm. Not to say like 2002, 2003, 2006, it could just be anything on it. And uh, Banksy is the one he can't get. Like he's tried asking people, people can't get it and all that kind of stuff. So Banksy comes to LA, his helper, a, he can't make it through immigration. So Shepard Ferry says, I got this guy who might be able to help you out and show you good spots and all that. So it's interesting to, to Thierry. Now, this is where Banksy comes in and says, well, his movie was okay, but he's just an interesting guy. And he's French, he's got broken English, he's just kind of a goofball. And um, eventually, Bank he does some stuff with Banksy, including uh, an infamous uh, bit they did at uh, Disneyland, mm -hmm. where they got like you know Abu Ghraib was coming out, and before Banksy did his LA show, he gets like you know a guy, in a, he gets a blow up doll in an orange jumpsuit and a bag over its head, and he puts it on the railings beside uh, the Thunder Road right. uh, mm -hmm. track thing, mm -hmm. and it's all going cool, and you know Banksy takes a hike, and you know he man's videotaping, then they stop the train, then they stop all the rides in the entire place, because I think it's a terrorist attack. And then Thierry gets grabbed. He puts, the, he puts the, me the memory card in his shoe, and he brazens it out, and uh, Banksy gets into him totally, that this guy, trust this guy, he brings him to the UK, shows him his, out his outfit and everything he has there. And then he says, go, you should go make a movie now. So Thierry hands something to Banksy, and says, what do you think? And it's fucking terrible. This guy does not, like, there's, there's just like, it's an epileptic fit for an hour and a half. It's literally nothing stays on anything for so long. He's got some of the footage of the greatest like street art guys. If you've seen any of these guys stuff online, he's got them when they were starting. He was in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. So Banksy says to him, go home, fuck around, give me your tapes. I'll fuck around with it and see what I can do. And then maybe put on a show yourself. And he takes that and he puts on a show. Now all he's seen are guys at the top of their field who made it through the street art area and into like selling actual art. Mm -hmm. So he goes in at the top end. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he starts off Mr. Brainwash. And this is where the hype thing comes in, or not the hype thing, the hoax thing comes in. It's like the first half, this guy was definitely been recording for a long time. You know, you see him in various states of facial hair and various states of age. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at one point Banksy's like saying, yeah, it's at this point I realized that maybe he's not some kind of documentary vi uh, visionary. He's actually just a retard with a camera. Mm -hmm. 
So it kind of moves into this thing of he's doing street art, but it's just totally ripping off all the guys he knows. And, but he makes money at it. So there's that level of, is it a street art prank by Banksy, the second half of the movie? Maybe Mr. Brainwash is what he calls himself. And he's still doing art on this, and he's still making money under this. But it's like, you know, Banksy's stuff is very much in that, in that tone of like, one of his pieces that he did in the free exhibition was like a Sotheby's auction with a, a, a painting frame that says, I can't believe you assholes pay for this shit. So this whole thing of like Banksy is like, you know, always sticking two fingers up at the world. So is the second half of this movie him sticking two fingers up at the world? Like, did he create this guy? Is, is the artwork he's selling actually Banksy's artwork or not? That's a big question around it. But as a documentary, it's very entertaining. It's really well put together. Um, Banksy himself says he doesn't want a director's credit on it. It's the editors because those guys, their eyes were bleeding. Because the guy tapes everything. It's like, and I saw an article online where it's like two minutes of following Shepard Ferry to, you know, who's, you know, he was the guy who did the Hope mm-hmm. poster for mm-hmm. Obama. Yeah. Um, although he ripped that off someone else. He yeah. does a whole appropriation thing. He's the guy who did that, and yet he has him at his earliest, one of some of his earliest stuff. But that was like totally sidelined to him just being in the toilet. You know, there's like there's two minutes of Shepard Ferry putting up something on a Hollywood Boulevard, and then there's like a, a minute and a half or three minutes. Of five minutes of you know the guy just Terry just fucking around, and he is a comical guy. He just is, is broken English, is broken English. Things that happen to him, all this crazy shit happens. But as a documentary, it is very entertaining. Right. It's very interesting, and I mean, at the end of it, you're thinking, well, was that second half? Is that real, or is it like you know playing with it or what? But just as a show in itself, if you take it all on its own, it is quite interesting. And like even Banksy comes off very well in it. He's like, you know, I used to encourage people to do art, motivate them to do that stuff. I don't really do that anymore. And even at the end credits, it says like, you know, um, Shepard Ferry did this stuff, Invader does this stuff. Banksy will never be involved in a street art documentary ever again. <laughs> and it is funny. And it's very entertaining. And I'd highly recommend it to anyone. I mean, I've seen, I mean, I've, got, you know, I've seen some of Banksy's stuff and it is quite interesting to me. But uh, even just as a, as a documentary, it works. You don't need to know about these guys just to see that, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to put together. Oh, cool. I've been, uh, I, mean, I've, I mean, it's been kicked about for quite a while now. Yeah. I just got it when I was at home at Christmas for DVD, on DVD. Yeah. No, I, I definitely want to check it out, especially now. Yeah. Sounds insane. So, yeah, and, and it is. I mean, as he says, the guy is insane. And all the people who they talk about, Thierry, I mean, the guy, poor guy, I mean, it is a bit of character assassination on him because some of them are saying, like, no, this fuck guy's fuck with, it's fucking insane. But uh, it's just interesting. Um, and, it's, you know, if you like street art, it's good. So definitely, I'd highly recommend it. Um, I'm not sure about it being, you know, the debut of a new talent. And the, Banksy himself says it was the editors who put it together. Yeah. He just didn't put much into it. But he definitely has a spin on it because he starts it and he ends it. Yeah. And he's not, you know, he's not seen it silhouette the whole time. He managed to keep his, uh, I mean, he even made Terry follow him from, or tape him from behind or from silhouette so he wouldn't be shown. But uh, it's interesting. Very interesting. Cool. What you got next? Uh, I saw Going the Distance, uh, <laughs> which is a movie about a long-distance relationship mm-hmm. between Drew Barrymore and Justin Long, who were also a couple while they were shooting this, I believe. Yeah, they're not anymore, right? Not anymore, yeah. no, no. <laughs> so I guess they didn't go the distance. No. <laughs> I thought... Oh, yeah! In your face! In your face, Justin Long! Uh, but... Okay, this is going to be a really short review because the story is, you know, it's really that. Boy meets girl, girl meets It's really that simple. Uh, boy, boy and girl meet each other while they're both in New York, but actually she doesn't really live in New York. She's from San Francisco and she's there on an internship at the New York Sentinel because she so really wants to be a journalist. 
and she's hoping that it'll this turn into... This is movie journalism, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he works for uh, a record label, and uh, he's not particularly happy because he's being signed up to like uh, go and rep boy bands or whatever shit that he's not particularly interested in, yeah. and he's frustrated at his job and all that, but he's a nice guy, and he has trouble committing. <laughs> As they all do. <laughs> but uh, they so they meet in New York, and, you know, she, you know, she tells him that, uh, that she's only going to be here for like six weeks, and he's like, that's perfect! I'm not interested in a relationship. I just came out of a relationship. And she's Does like, "Where?" Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that—that's—that's that's why it, they, they're able to. See the breaker. Yeah. No, but that's how they get so close so fast. Is that they both meet on this point where oh, they where, know there's an end coming. Yeah. Well, they know there's an end coming, and that's at that point in their lives, that's what they're looking for. So, like, fuck it. Yeah. They've like, seen the second episode of Lord of the Rings. They might as well watch the third. There you go. Exactly. There you go. Uh, oh, even though the relationship he just came out of was on that same day, mm. <laughs> he, he was at the he was at the bar with his two friends, who are funny, played by Charlie Day and uh, Jason Sudeikis, who's uh, who's on. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And uh, he's just talking to them, t- talking shit, and then he goes off somewhere, and then bumps bumps into her. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no this is how they meet. Like uh, she, he's playing. She's playing like this this uh, Space Invaders centipede game. And um, inside of Space Invaders, a centipede. Make your mind up. It's it's centipede. Okay then. It's centipede. And uh, he basically gets in her face and fucks up her score, and then they get a fight, and then she like puts her name in and realizes that, and he realizes that she holds like the top three scores. They're all yeah. hers. And he's like, you know, oh, you're that person. You're kind oh, of awesome. You're kind of awesome. I'm so sorry. Let me buy you a drink, and that's how it happens. And so then, eventually, she's got to go back to San Francisco. How many chicks in the world know how to play centipede? Chicks in movies. Yeah. <laughs> Written by men. Written by men. <laughs> of a certain age. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to play Centipede anymore. I don't, me neither. <laughs> and uh, so, and so then from that point on, it becomes a long-distance relationship. And all of the trials and tribulations that you go through, the mistrust and all of that. But despite that, I mean, they don't actually... They actually do a pretty good thing in the sense that they don't fall back on cliches and have them going around fucking around with each other. I've heard that. I mean, they actually do... This is a... It's a... It's an... It's a pretty uh, sincere attempt to show... It's relatively smart. It's relatively smart, and it's uh, fairly accurate in terms of some of the shit that you go through. Yeah. Um, Speaking from experience. Speaking from experience. I think, I think most people can speak from experience. Yeah. We all have at least one long-distance relationship that we thought could work, but no. Yeah. Long-distance sucks, as these guys find out. And so, I, I, I found it funny. I laughed at quite a few bits. Yeah. Uh, the cast is charming. It's no 500 Days of Summer, though. No, no, it's no 500 Days of Summer. I mean, it's a charming it's little. It's better than the proposal. It's better. It's better than the proposal. Yes, it is. It's a charming film. The cast is very charming. Uh, although Drew Barrymore, I don't know what it is, but as she gets older, from certain angles, she looks really bad. Really? Yeah. And you like older chicks? I like older chicks, but I was like, this one, you know, it's like it's gonna be weird when she gets older. Her whole face is gonna like sag into itself. She's gonna turn into I don't know. It's gonna be weird. But in this one, I just noticed that. It's like sometimes I look at her, it's like, God, you're hot. And other, other times I'm like, Jesus! <laughs> so it's just weird. Does but it avoid the, I mean, does it avoid the pitfalls all the way through, or does it go any cliché at the end? It goes clichéd only at the end, because it's a romantic comedy that needs to. There is one cutoff point where... It would be nice. Had they ended it at that point, it would have been actually... It would have raised it a whole, new, whole, a whole one star. It would have been, I know, respect. You, mm-hmm. you want to take it down that road. And they managed to make you think that they're going to do it, and then naturally... Test audience screenings come in, and Bollocks. I mean, I don't know if it was always like that, but for me, uh, and Beauty Queen from Mars agrees, it would have been such a stronger film if it had ended at this point. Yeah, which would have, sweet. which you can probably guess would have been a more yeah bittersweet, more somber note, more indie movie. Yeah, I most wanted. Yeah, um, but, but worth a watch. But worth a watch. I mean, like, 
you know, watch it with the woman. She'll enjoy it. So will you. <laughs> cool. I'll finish off this week with Skeletons, a movie I only heard about because Jason Isaacs was harping on about it on the radio all the time. Uh, this is the movie that introduces you to Bennett, uh, played by Andrew Buckley. Um, he's played Gobbler in Extras. Mm-hmm. And um, Davis, played by Ed Gunn, who's not been on much else before. But uh, if it those of you don't know who the actors are, Bennett is like about seven foot two, ginger, fat guy. And Ed uh, Gunn is a small, fat, balding, knacker-tash little fella. Both of them are in their suits and they walk up to these houses. They, seem to, they don't seem to get a car anywhere. I don't know whether that was just budget concerns or they always seem to walk. And they have their suitcases and they walk up to houses and they're talking about weird ass shit. And then they go in and they're like, all right, you ready to do the job? Yeah. And they have a kind of a weird, you don't know what their job is for the first part of the movie. You're seeing them talking to like uh, the people about like signing forms and you're aware of what you're getting in for and you may have, may not like the outputs and all this kind of stuff. And then they go upstairs to take out some like technical shit and it's like, find out they go to the closet and they go to the closet with like massive gloves on and fucking aprons and one of them is standing behind the other with a fire extinguisher. Jesus. And you see them go in and then next you see them outside the house walking along and Bennett's going, that's a bit harsh. I mean, she didn't expect that. It's like, well, you know, what can you do? And you're like, what the fuck do these guys do? <laughs> now, I don't think it's spoiling anything by saying they basically extract the skeletons from your closet. Oh. So it's for couples who you know maybe want to move to the next stage and they're worried about their, their you know their, 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 past. their past and so they're kind of psychics but it's such a they're like plumbers you know what i mean they turn up and they do shit and they're like all right well uh, what we have here is if you could sign on this page and this page and uh, the report we have is that you're uh, you have been taking latin last latin classes and you haven't told your husband to be about this and um you know, you're a little guilty about it, but that's okay. And he has also been going to a seaport nearby and uh, going with prostitutes. <laughs> now, he hasn't actually had any intercourse. Oh, hang on, no, I'm, I'm incorrect there. On the third occasion, he did get manual relief. You know, they're total, like, job jobs worths. Yeah. And that ends this whole... And the level of what they're talking about as well is, like, they, refer, they, they, they world build beautifully. You only see these two guys and a couple of clients, and they get involved with a client who... Is a woman who's gone kind of crazy because she's uh, lost her husband eight years. He's been disappeared. She doesn't know what the fuck is he dead? Is he what? What the hell happened to him? And they get more involved, tighter involved in that, and it also impacts on them. Like the younger guy Davis, or sorry, the shorter guy Davis has his own problems in that he they use these stones, and he uses the stones to go into his own memories mm-hmm. to kind of relive his parents because he misses them. So he's got his own fucked up shit, and just like they're constantly referring to the colonel will do this or well look you know if you don't fucking sort your shit out the same thing will happen to you that happened to Vaughn. And you have no idea what happened to Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. At one point, it's mentioned that, you know, what happened to that guy? He went fucking Bulgarian. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But it builds the world beautifully. Uh, but I like that, though. Yeah, I, I like mean, that. it is. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And then when you find out later on what happens when someone goes Bulgarian, and it's brilliant. Excellent. Um, it's not laugh-out-loud comedy, but just like little things about, or, you know, they just they throw out words that are not explained, but they add depth to the whole universe. And the, the colonel mm-hmm. is the boss, is played by Jason Isaacs in like a cap and like almost almost a Boise outfit. Sweet. But he's a bit more, you boys could be the 18. If you don't stop fucking around, you'll never make it. You know? <laughs> and he's, he's pretty cool in it. And then... Um, the, the you know there's a, they get involved with this family and there's a bit more to the family side of things as it is but it, it, it is quite interesting to watch it's not going to be it, 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 it's slow enough and you don't get that instant gratification of telling you what's going on but it's well worth the investment cool yeah I'd recommend watching it and just right. to find out what going Bulgarian means <laughs> I will definitely check that out yeah right 
Right, that ends it for the night. Thank you very much for listening. Before we go, we shall uh, give you the box office results from Malaysia and the US. And it'll probably be two weeks before we do another podcast. Yes, because I will be out of town for a bit. Yeah, I'm going to have a power on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> we'll leave you. If you want to get in touch and disagree with anything we've said, it's podcast at megapandfries.com. And if you made it this far, please email us just to let you know you're doing that. Jesus, wow. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, starting <laughs> off with the Malaysian box office top 10. At number 10, it's Hantukak Lima Balik Ruma. Yes. Number 9, The Shock Labyrinth, House of Horrors. Number 8, Paranormal Activity 2. That's weird it's still out. Number 7, Goldworth Travels. It's weird it's still in the top 10. Well, this is probably the same one that we read Four on Four weeks <laughs> on release. And uh, number 6, this <laughs> Could be. I think it's slightly different, isn't it? No, no, I think it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, Sutai? Sinotai. No, I think Season of Witch was higher up. No, no, no. no, no, no. Number, Number four, four, Season of the Witch. Number three, three Faster. Number, Number two, two, Great Day. day. Number one, Kurufat Paranjan Sanitan. Oh, yeah, Shitan. Don't worry, Shitan this movie. No, Shitan was lower. No, it was number one. It was definitely lower. It was number one. No, I don't want to shit on you, but Shitan was lower. Shitan was number one. The devil's always the yeah, I, I do actually remember that hanging yeah. bracket on Yogi Bear. Uh, number 10 in the US is Season of the Witch. Number 9, The Fighter. Good Oscar buzz. Number oh, awards buzz, right? Yep. Number, number eight, 8, Yogi Bear. Number, number 7, seven Tron, Tron Legacy. Legacy. That's weird. Number 6, Little Fockers, I'd rather pull my eyes out with the pliers. Number 4, The King's Speech. Oh. Number 5, Black Swan. <laughs> number 4, The King's Speech. Number 3, True Grit. Number two, The Dilemma. And number one, The Green Hornet. I did actually watch Michael Gondre's... Um, Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy Kimmel. Was it good? It's pretty funny. The monologue, I just watched the monologue section. It keeps tripping back on itself. He keeps like going to his desk, and as he goes to his desk, covers come over him, pillow thumbs up, and he cuts to him in bed. And then he has to get back to the studio, and that happens like three or four times. Right. It's very surreal, very awesome. And Michael, Michel Gondre is involved in the show. Like He's there talking to Jimmy Kimmel throughout. Cool. I'm looking forward to the full episode. All right, then, we'll leave you there for today. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.